0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Today, we will finish uh, Romans 7. So today's kind of like the grand finale, if you will, and in light of... Fourth of July. This is kind of what's happening in chapter 7. There's a lot of this happening because once we get into chapter 8, uh, it starts talking about life in the spirit. And that's where really all the great change and transformation takes place. So today's the grand finale of our first seven chapters in Romans. And if you recall, just for you know, just for quick review, in chapter five, Paul discussed how sin came about because of Adam. If you remember, uh, Christ has reversed Adam. The curse and brought new life to those who come to faith. In Romans 6, Paul discussed how sin is defeated in the life of a believer, and uh, really saying sin is no longer in charge. Now Christ is in charge, and so today we get to Romans chapter seven. So, uh, as is accustomed to us here at Cedar Valley, I'm going to ask you to rise as we read our primary text. If you're new to our church, this will be the only time we stand up as uh, during the message. It's just our way of acknowledging this is God's Holy word and uh, we stand up in reverence um, So also if you don't have a Bible and you'd want the Bible You don't need to go out and purchase one We've purchased them for you right out on our tabletops right when you exit the auditorium There are Bibles there feel free to grab a Bible. It's yours. It's a gift from our church To you just be sure to grab the right translation. There are some in English and some in in Spanish. So we're going to read today out of the book of Romans chapter 7. We're just going to read chap, uh, verse 20 uh, and 21. It says this, but if I do, actually let's, let's back up. Let's go to 19. Let's start with nineteen. 19. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. 21. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. We're going to pray and then immediately watch a video on the screen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being in this room. Our time in worship this morning as we lifted our hands and sang our songs. And Lord, we just We feel your presence in this room. We thank you for that, God. What a privilege we have to gather together as a church body and worship you now, God, as we look to your word. Father, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts, directly to our hearts. This is a room filled with people, but, God, you know every single person by name. And So, God, I pray you would speak into our specific story, into the the story of our life today including all the burdens and troubles and sufferings and pain and all the confusions and all the questions. God, we believe that you know every detail of our life, and so we invite you to speak into that. We ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. drill seekers, let's talk about that climb. You've done it. Maybe with the room filled with this many people, 90% of us have tried a roller coaster maybe one time in our life. And because of the climb, you refuse to get on a roller coaster again. (laughs) There's something about that climb. The anticipation builds, the fear creeps in, and then comes the big... I mean, some of your stomach's dropped on the video. You know, now we know what it's like. This is what Romans chapter 1 through 7 has felt like this roller coaster of themes and metaphors and ideas. By the way, it's so funny. You can actually dislodge a kidney stone on a roller coaster. Just so you know, if you're having pain in the kidneys today, consider going to the Mall of America, ask for the craziest roller coaster in the park, and maybe God will heal you that way. You just never know. You never, you never know. But Paul has truly um, been hitting hard this conversation of sin and its impact on humanity. He says it in so many different ways. He's using just these different angles and examples for, you know, if you were here last week. Marriage was one of the metaphors he used to help us understand the grip of, of the law, right? You remember the anaconda squeeze on the, on the little deer? There, there's all these different ways of kind of saying the same thing, kind of boiling down everything to this. That sin will squeeze the life out of you and only Jesus can set you free. How many of you have heard this popular saying, the struggle is real? Raise your hand if you've ever said or have heard, the struggle is real. Now, in the life of a Christian, you've heard this. If you've been in church more than a a year, you've heard this for sure. The life of a Christian, you're either in a struggle, coming out of a struggle, or about to start a struggle. You know this, to be true, right? So let's talk a little bit about the struggle is real. So, single parents especially single moms and dads. Maybe you're here and you're raising children and you're taking care of the home, managing your day job, trying to make enough money, waking up early, going to bed late, and you say this often, man, the struggle is real. You know, I read this thing studying about single moms particularly, and it says this, I'm not angry, I'm overwhelmed. You know, sometimes we, not single parents, maybe maybe you're not a single parent we observe single moms single dads and they they could be a little extra right a little extra angry and they say i'm not oh no I'm, don't don't get me twisted i'm not angry i'm overwhelmed the struggle is real right maybe it's you know maybe you're that dad and you're just grinding just trying to make it happen and and you're you're going without so that your kids can have, and you're selling all you can, maybe you're slanging J's on Stock X, detailing cars, or you sit back and you just think, man, the struggle is real. Man, th- this struggle is real for me. Maybe you're a young person, you don't have a father trying to be involved in school sports or activities, but, but you don't have a ride, you don't have money, you have some long days and you feel real bad for your mama trying to pull good grades and you think to yourself often the struggle is real maybe you're empty nesters maybe you're in the room today and you you know your kids are grown up and gone And you're still trying to keep everything together. Your kids need your help. Your grandkids need your help. And you don't have enough time in the day to meet all the needs that are presented to you. Maybe you have a kid or maybe two kids who have maybe lost their way. They're facing some serious challenges and you don't have the answers to their problems. And you sit back in your seat today and you say, man, in my life, the struggle is real. Or maybe you're that... Christian man or woman, you sit in the room today and you say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, that's me, I, I love Jesus, and everything inside of me wants to do good, everything inside of me wants to do good, but, but you keep going back, you keep falling back into old habits, and it just makes you sick, the disappointment that you see on your kid's face, or the disappointment on your parents' face, and you just, you just think to yourself as you're driving along, man, the struggle is real. Maybe the question that, that, that we should ask today is this when does the struggle finally end you ever asked yourself that question when does the struggle finally some of you are smiling at me like you just asked this question this morning like, when does the struggle finally have you ever considered doesn't there come a point in the christian life where we will not struggle with sin you ever ask that question Does that day ever come? Those of you who who would say you're believers, does that day ever come in the life of a believer? Many of us would say, no, no. That day hasn't come for me. It's not the struggles that really come to an end. It's It's that within the struggle, we get to hold on to Jesus. Maybe that's more like the life of a Christian. Jesus Himself said, in this life, you will Have hardship, you will experience struggle and pain and suffering and betrayal. You'll experience those things as a Christian. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the big so-what right up front. Our goal is to try to make this true by the time we get there. Okay. So the big so what is this: the struggle ends when life in the spirit begins. I can't go into Romans 8, that's not where I'm supposed to be, but I just want you to know that starting in Romans 8, it all changes. It's life in the Spirit. So today, we're going to work on understanding that the struggle ends when life in the Spirit begins. And my goal for you, everybody in this room today, is that as you would drive home, that you would have this this new awareness or this awakened awareness to desire more of the spirit of God in your life that you would welcome the spirit of God into your every single day life so we're going to work through uh some of uh the portion uh that we'll be focusing on today starting with Romans chapter 7 verse 14 so let's read seven fourteen. it says this so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. So just quickly, I'm not going to stay here long at all, but just to help you have an understanding of the law, I once heard a theologian, Pastor Hillary, pass me on to these theologians having a conversation, and this is how they broke down the law, and I think it really makes it simple. Okay, so You have a vehicle, so when we reference the law, we're talking about the Old Testament, right? The commandments, there's 400 plus laws in, 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 you know, we're talking about the Torah, the Ten Commandments, we're talking about the law, okay? So, what's the purpose of the law? The grip of the law. Dr. Graham spoke of this grip, this marriage to the law being very unhealthy, the worst marriage ever. Reference that in all messages in Romans, if you'd like, on our website, they're all there. But just to help you quickly understand the law, you're driving, let's say you're going from here to Florida, okay, like many of us do. And along the way, you experience a blowout, okay? Now you're driving and you've got a blowout tire. Right. So you pull to the side of the road and thankfully you have a spare tire in the back of your car and you take the spare tire off. You take the tire that's been blown out. You replace them. You put the spare tire on. Now, nobody would 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 think I'm going to drive from this point all the way to my destination with the spare tire because the spare tire was never meant to get you to that destination. It's not capable of doing that. Right. It looks weird. It looks funny, but it is isn't it isn't built. To, to take you that far. It's actually intended to take you to the shop. Put the spare on, go to your phone, find the shop, get your, get your, your, your tire fixed, buy a new tire, and then, and then that'll take you. So the law is like the spare tire. When the fall happened, the blowout, God brought the law. The law was intended to get you to Jesus. The law was meant to take you from the fall of men, from, from the sin of Adam, to, to Jesus. And then Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Now Jesus will take us to our destination, right? So that's a good way of thinking about the law. Now, now Paul is also saying the trouble is with me. And so, so I kind of like this because I know that Paul has written several books in the New Testament. I, I think Paul's the greatest missionary to ever do it. I think you know um, it's actually very critical for believers um, to live on the right side of re- reality. And here I see Paul admitting that he is a man and that his flesh can really be a danger zone. I wonder if you have the I wonder if you could could get to a place where you would say oh yeah me and my flesh is absolutely a danger zone. Like are you aware that apart from the spirit of god you yourself would also really struggle that it would be a danger zone for you. So there's so much debate over this chapter, which is why Neil gave this chapter to me, because who's going to break down the, like you, you know? Next week, it's the easy portion, and and that's why it was given somewhere else. But this is <laughs> this is this is the maybe the most controversial portion. So Romans is like the book of the Bible, right? Like it's it's like the star of the show. But this chapter is like. There's so much confusion and debate, so regardless of where you land, there's great support for that, okay? Don't take my word for it. You need to go, and you need to read, and you need to kind of f- figure out where you stand on some of this stuff. But here's what I think. There, there's, there's a lot of debate, and mostly they're think, the, the debate is, well, is Paul writing this? as like Paul right now in person, like this is his life right now as a believer, like these are his struggles as a believer? Or is Paul kind of writing this like this is Paul without Jesus kind of thing? Or is he writing this on behalf of Israel and their roller coaster life that they live? Like who, who's Paul, who is he writing to? Is he writing about himself? Is, is this a song that Paul wrote for himself to sing? Or is this him talking about his former self? And you need to go and do all of that. But I will say this, that I think I, I agree with, I agree with like a lot of what I, I read. Um, but here's what I know that's true for myself. That the grip of sin can only be overcome with the power of the Spirit. I don't have the power within myself to overcome sin. Only through the Spirit of God can I overcome that. But, the, but the, maybe the more important thing here is that if you take Jesus out of me, if you take the Spirit out of me, I am an evil, evil man. And I will give in to the evil desires that are within me. You know, we've experienced some, some, some great pain in our life. We, we've been on the receiving end of some, some serious uh, impact. If, so if you take the spirit out of me, then vengeance is mine. And I would probably sit in a prison cell for the rest of my life. Because there's a few things and a few people that have done things to me that wouldn't be living today If you took the spirit of God out of me, but because the spirit of God is in me and the spirit of God is in you, we trust that the Bible says vengeance is mine. Therefore, I don't take matters into my own hands. I trust the living God. I trust my situation into his very capable hands. So I sit back and I let God be the God of justice and I let vengeance be his and I let him take care of it. You see, you see. There's a war within me. I'm just, I know I'm preaching today, but you can judge me all you want. But I'm just saying there's a war within me to be holy and to be human. And you take the Spirit of God out of me and I'm telling you, I go human all day long. All day long. I need the Spirit of God within me. And I like that Paul is actually talking in this way. It resonates with me. Let me read to you Romans seven fifteen through 20. I got it here on the screen. I want us to just kind of read it together. I just want to see how this resonates with you. Let me, you could, why don't you read it with me? Ready? Go. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Sounds like most of us, when we're talking about our diet or fitness plan, or financial plan. I mean, how many times have you been caught in that vicious cycle of pure disappointment and failure and not having it? I think about this. There's a lot of people who are not sitting in church today. They're just not sitting in church. As a matter of fact, they're not sitting in church anywhere because they've tried and tried and tried and tried, and every time they try, they fail and so they just chalk it up to say, I just couldn't do it. So I walk away so I don't have to feel and wrestle with guilt and shame. But you know what that feels. You read this and you're like, that's me. So it's hard for me to completely go with some who say Paul is writing this on behalf of his former self. Like he wasn't a believer. He's talking about himself before he was a believer because I'm like, well, that's not true because I'm a believer and I definitely feel like that. I mean, the moment I give up carbs, that's all I want, Carbs. I say, I'm done with sugar, that's all I want. And it's like, oh God, keep me out of the pantry. You know, like, last week Doug Doug had a verse that says that, that the law arouses our sinful nature. Remember he said, you don't touch the oven, and then all of a sudden they want to touch the oven. Like, I know that's true, and I'm a man of God. I've been serving Jesus like my whole life. I mean, I had my bumps, believe me. I fell off the roller coaster a few times. But like... I can't, I can't, I just, I won't agree fully that Paul is just referencing his old self and none of this lives in him today because it's true for me. And maybe because it's true for me in a room this size, what, there's what, 10,000 people in here? (laughs) So maybe, I don't know, maybe half of you would say, I'll be honest, I struggle with sin too. And I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Yeah, maybe my temptation is not to get off that old country road and go to the adult store that's located in the middle of nowhere. But every time I get my cell phone and I go to YouTube or I go to some social media place or whatever, things start flashing on the phone. I'd be a liar if I tell you that those aren't temptations and I have to like rely on the Spirit of God that lives within me to help me overcome those sins. But if you take the Spirit of God outside of me, I'll fall into those kinds of traps because I'm human and I'm holy. Or maybe you don't agree with me. That's fine. You don't have to agree with me. I want you to go home and wrestle with the most debated portion of Scripture all on your your own and let me know kind of where you land. But here's what I know that's true. Paul doesn't have a lack of desire. Paul doesn't have a lack of knowledge. Clearly, Paul has a lack of power. Whoever whoever Paul's writing to, if he's writing to himself or other people, or what, it's a lack of power. And it's true for you. It's not that you lack desire. It's not that you lack knowledge. It's that we lack the power to overcome this stuff on our own. And we will never have the power to overcome this stuff on our own. I mean, we're talking about St. Paul, like the Apostle Paul, leading the way, demonstrating to us how to live a godly life. And as followers of Jesus, as believers, we, we live this fully surrendered life. But we need to learn how to own up to our own sin and realize that our impulse to sin does not come from who we really are in Jesus. We are human and we are holy. We are human and we are holy. It's a tough line to walk because too much human and I'm in big trouble. But if I try to hide my human and overcompensate it with holy, then people can't stand to be around me and they, don't stand, they can't stand to be around you. When you hide your human and try to overcompensate it with holy, suddenly you become like those, those holier-than-thous, like you're in denial, hypocritical. Can we just take off the mask can we just be honest with our kids, with our spouse, with our friends? Can we just be honest with people in our life and let them know it's not all peaches and cream in my life and I struggle sometimes too and you ain't the only one? Can we just, just kind of be real a little bit? Because, because we're not meant to hide the human. Paul's teaching us, you don't need to hide the human. Talk about it. Get it out there. I would struggle too if you took Jesus out of my life. Both of these, they're at war in me, civil war, holy and, and human at war. And, and I'll just tell you this, man, the, the, the human, the sin, it aims to steal and to kill and destroy. No mercy, no mercy for your soul. Just so you know, you want to play with sin, there is no mercy. No mercy if you play with sin. The, the God of human is, is, has no mercy whatsoever. I've said this for 20 years. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And sin will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. Don't you play around with sin and think you'll get away with it. It will sting you. There will be ramifications, consequences. Oh, there will be hurt and pain if you choose to give in to that. That's why we need the Holy. That's why we need the Spirit of God to be living and active in our lives so that we can overcome sin. You'll never overcome sin without the Spirit of God in your life. Ever, ever, ever. You'll lose every single time. Romans 7.20 says, but if I do what I want... But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Living in me. Sin living in me. Maybe we, get, we need to get to the point where we are uncomfortable with sin living in me. Sin, you can't live in me. Sin, you cannot live in me. I'll battle you. I'll battle you. I'll fight you, but you cannot take residence in me. Romans 7.21 says, I have discovered... I love the word discovered, by the way, because... In, in the original language, this word discovered comes from like after searching to find or learning the hard way. So it could be said, I have learned this the hard way that this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I've learned this the hard way that when I want to do good, I don't. It's a lesson that maybe we've all learned. The struggle is real. The moment you say you're done with something, suddenly it becomes so tough. You ever experienced that? The moment you say, I'm done with that, I'm done with that, today is the last day. And then it becomes the greatest struggle of your life. You don't believe me? Give up bread. (laughs) Tell me how it's going next Sunday. All of a sudden, that's all you want, just a slice of bread. Can I just have a bite of bread? You won't chew it, you'll suck that thing dry of every piece of flour in it. I just want it. C.S. Lewis said, no man knows how bad he is until he's tried to be good. Romans 7.23 says, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Who is he talking to and what is he talking about himself, his former self, his current self? Both. He's talking on behalf of Israel. Maybe he's talking on behalf of you. I don't know. But, but there's a war. There's a war. And, and the writer of this verse is a slave to sin. He's struggling with sin. It's still within him. Flesh versus spirit. Human versus holy. Fighting against each other within your life Every single day. And I think we should, as Christians, be okay with talking about that. Because maybe that's what keeps people on the outside. Is that we just don't own up to our humanness. Because we're so caught up in our holiness. And there ain't nothing wrong with pursuing holy. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to make us holy. We are holy when we are with Jesus. but, But man, we have to be honest about our human too. Paul knows firsthand what life in the flesh is all about it's evil and harmful i mean david you guys rant and rave about how much we love david this man after god's own heart oh yeah yeah we he knows firsthand what it's like what it's like to live in the flesh talk about abuser murderer ripped a family apart yeah that happened to david that could happen to you too you step out, you, you, you surrender the spirit of God within you. I'm telling you, we are evil people. You take Jesus out of my life. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in a prison cell. There are examples all throughout the Bible of people losing this war within them. And examples all over this church. You know what it's like to lose this war. You know that feeling of defeat. Failure causes you to not want to show up so you just become an online viewer because you can't stand the shame. I've tried it, I've tried it, it doesn't work out, I'm done. We're all capable of evil, my friends, and when we live our life in the flesh, maybe that's why we say the things that we say now, because we're living in the flesh. Maybe that's why we're believing some of the things that we're believing now. Down deep inside, you know it ain't true, but you're saying you believe this stuff because you're just so far away from Jesus. You're saying things now you would have never said 10 years ago. You're doing things now you would have never done five years ago. You're believing things in your own gut you know aren't true, but you still believe in them because everyone else in your life is believing them. That's life in the flesh. I would be the same way. Take Jesus out of me. I'm a rotten dude. Right? Is that true for you too, or is that just me? Maybe I'm just having a big self moment today. Maybe we've lost we've let the power of the flesh lead the way in our mindsets, in our opinions, our passions, our decisions, our thoughts. They seem too fleshy, too human, no holy. And it's caused us a serious type of turmoil that we see Paul kind of leading us through. Sin can war within any of us and win because there's no power in us other than ourselves to stop sinning. So now we get caught in this desperate powerlessness of trying to battle sin in the power of self and I hate to be the bearer of bad news you will never have the power to overcome sin on your own ever you've tried it you know it's true there's only one way there's only one way it's Jesus it's the Spirit of the Living God active in your life that's the only way my friend Romans 7, 24 says, oh, what a miserable person I am. In another version of the Bible translation, instead of miserable, it's the word wretched. Y'all know the word wretched? Um, So wretched in the Greek is this word teleporos, teleporos. I think that's how you say teleporos. Two words together, Telo means to bear, poros, to bear a callus. Y'all know what a callous is, right? It's hard skin. Over time, something happened. Some of us have callous hearts. Not everybody, but I do. Severe side effects. And so here's what it means. It's severe side effects from great ongoing strain or significant hardships. Oh, that's wretched. I'm callous because I've had severe side effects from great ongoing strain or significant hardships. That's why I'm callous, because I've had significant hardships in my life. I ain't angry. I'm overwhelmed. You wonder why I act the way I act? You wonder why I talk the way I talk? Because I've got a calloused heart. That's why. Because I've had some significant hardship in my life. You take the living God out of me, and I'm a bad person. Maybe you feel the same. Maybe that resonates with you. John Newton wrote this song, Amazing Grace. You know that song? All right, ready? All together Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like. I once was, was lost, but now i found Question real quick. Sorry to ruin your mojo right there. You were getting into it, though. I saw some of y'all go like this, like you were feeling yourself. Okay, my bad. Tell your neighbor I'll finish that after church when it when it, when it got to like the wretched part and the lost part and the blind part did it resonate with you by chance just lift your hand if it did like when you sing that song does it resonate with you at all raise your hand if it, if it does i just want to know i just want there's 10,000 people let me get an approximate real quick <laughs> it did okay okay so when he wrote this song y'all know john newton man he you his, the former john newton wasn't he slave trader he had a paul like conversion to christianity and then he wrote this song right And when he wrote this song, he wrote this song because he would sing this song and it would be true for him. But he also wrote this song that many people would sing and it would be true for them as well. So now when I sing this song, it's like you wrote this song, but this is the song of my life. This is the story of my life. This is my my life's song, right? Maybe that's what Paul's doing here. Maybe Paul is writing a song that's true for him, but it's also true for and maybe today you've just come across a song that represents your life, and maybe that's why it resonates so much with you. Because as you read this, all you think to yourself is, man, how does he know? How does he know? How does he know? How in the world could a song be written just about me? You ever felt like that? Maybe that's exactly what's happening here. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what Paul did. Is He wrote a song, but he knew that it, wasn't, it wouldn't just be a song that he sang. It would be a song that believers would sing and sing and sing and maybe the idea was that the calloused heart that you and I have because of significant hardship maybe this would be our way of expressing the pain within us so that way it just doesn't simmer because if it simmers too long it comes out sideways so the rest of 724 says who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death Isn't that what we want? Don't we want freedom from a life dominated by sin? I don't want to be dominated by sin and by death. I want to be free of that. Isn't that what other people need? I mean, isn't that true for you? And isn't that true for the person sitting next to you? Wouldn't that be true for those who aren't even here? Isn't that true for the people you work with? Don't you think people just desire to be free from a life that is dominated with sin? Don't you think that's the truth? I love Paul's honesty here. Listen to the message, Romans 7.24. In the message translation says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? It's crazy how God knows us so well. I love Paul's honesty. His struggle is real. My struggle is real. Your struggle is real is real. And I'm like most men. This Christian life is living in the struggle. The key is surrendering every single day. Like, you've got to wake up every day and invite the Spirit of God to lead you every day. You can't do it. I'm telling you, if if the only time you do Jesus is Sunday mornings, it'll never be enough. You'll run out of gas by Tuesday. It's got to be an everyday thing. I mean, I'm telling you, this is an everyday thing. Every day got to wake up and say, Living God, I want you to live in me today. Be, 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 the, be at the front. Lead the way in all my decisions, all my conversations, all my choices. Every, every transaction I do, every conversation I have, every DM that I read. I need you. 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 I need you today. I need you today. I need you today. I surrender today. I- So, so the key to surrendering, the key is surrendering every day. So you win when you choose to fight the battle. I just want you to know, you win. Just because you're in a battle doesn't mean you've lost. You win when you choose to fight the battle. The only time you lose is when you decide to stop fighting the battle. So just fight on, my friend. We, we, we continue to fight on. So <laughs> who's struggling in the room today? That'd be me. You know, who's struggling in the room today? Romans 7.25 says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we go back to our big so what, which is the struggle ends when life in the spirit begins. And it's not true. The struggle does not end. But when life in the spirit begins, suddenly our struggles have a different perspective in them. Jesus is with you. He's with me. And that will give me the power to begin to overcome the sin in my life. Bottom line is you can't overcome sin without the Spirit of God. Period. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know that. You've heard that. Bunch. Steal, kill, destroy, no mercy. But I have come. I love this so much. I've come to give you life. And life more abundantly. That means that life now and life then. Life now. Somehow in the midst of your struggle. God can begin to revive you. And your hardened calloused heart. Because of real struggle. Can somehow. Be made beautiful. Somehow some way it can become beautiful. But in your own strength in your own intellect, in your own power, in your own understanding, you'll never have enough.